Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. Tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. How do you make sense of this league? Teams have looked brilliant and then later looked fairly hopeless. Does it matter that Mayo are, are league winners? Are the dubs back with a vengeance? Is there an ominous blue tide swelling high? What's it like to go and play in New York and London? And what is the best way to conduct post-match interviews? Oh yeah, uh, the championship starts next Saturday, by the way. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined today by the former Mayo footballer and manager James Horn, by the former Kerry footballer and manager Eamon Fitzmaurice, and by Morris Brosnan of the Irish Examiner. Eamon, Mayo are league winners. Are you impressed with them? Oh, you couldn't but be impressed with them, Paul. They've had a great league. Um, I don't think uh, Kevin Maxey and uh, Co could have wished for much more, really, at the start. They've, you know, they're brimming with confidence. They've won it. They've found a few players. Uh, they've rejuvenated players. Um, they're in a great place. They've been, you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times that they remind me a good bit of Kerry last year that they're just going about their business. They're going up through the gears. They're um, getting the job done. They're learning as they go. They're getting different tests. They're finding all the answers so far. Um, I think possibly the only thing that they didn't achieve during the league was managing to keep an unblemished record in um, Castlebar after Monaghan turned them over there last weekend. But other than that, um, excellent league from them. And... Um, they're going into the championship in a great place. If you were managing Kerry and you were coming up against Mayo next weekend or the weekend after, where would you go after them? Um, where would you go after them? Um, well, I think this you're always going to look at their strengths. Um, Colm Reap obviously had a great game yesterday. Uh, he's still relatively inex- inexperienced at this level. Galway didn't press his kick out, so I'd certainly test his pulse on that. Um, he seems to be very calm and he seems to be very uh, kind of level-headed fella. Uh, possibly the outfield experience, you know, gives him the advantage there that he doesn't seem to get too, um, you know, too carried away or too ruffled. But at the same time, I definitely test him out. And after that, then you're trying to get your matchups right. I think Galway did well in Matthew Ruan yesterday. Um, you know, that John Maher did a good job in him. I think you'd be looking at singling out maybe a couple of their players like that and man marking them. But at the moment, they'd be huge tests, and uh, you'd have to be really at the top of your game to go at them. Would you Would you go after the centre back position? Would you go after the way Conor Loftus is playing there? Um, I I think Galway probably tried to yesterday. Uh, Paul, but you know the nature of the game meant that it was harder to get after them. And I think the way Mayo set up yesterday, they probably were a bit more defensive than, than they'd been in other games, and they certainly got plenty of cover back to help uh, Connor Loftus. Probably appreciating the threat that Galway had from different different areas of the field. Um, 
But yeah, of course you try and go after him. But to be fair to Connor Loftus and to Mayo, systematically they've they've had the answers so far, and it's it's been something that's been working for them. Um, but it, it is an area, of course, you'd look to go after. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put this to you in a different way, James. If I was after winning a league and my goalie had been given man of the match, and granted he kicked his freeze, but he made a couple of good saves and he was calm and assured and all of that. Were you impressed with the Mayo defence yesterday? Um, look, uh, just to build on what Eamon said, you, you know, Mayo um, w- won the league easy, I would say, in, in a strange type of type of way. Um, dominated a lot of games, um, learned a lot of stuff, um, etc. Very, very strong and very, very fit is what I'd say. They had that that advantage on, on, on the rest of the country, the rest of Division 1. Definitely had that. Now, I think others are catching up fitness-wise and that kind of stuff, but, but definitely had the, had the jump there. And look, Mayo are, to answer your question, Mayo are um, playing a different, um, I suppose, defensive defensive system. Um I, I think it's still it's still new, it's still evolving. Um I think yesterday the, for me, if you're looking, if you're really going looking at it and seeing what you need to 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 build on and, and Mayo will look at it that way. The experienced players will, will will cut away the the rubbish from yesterday and, and look at what they need to improve on, you know, because they I th- I think there's a feeling, you know, that you know people know what the league is this year. It's a very different Sort of environment around the league and and how it's viewed and how it's looked at with the, with the provincial system, um, and the format and the timing of of, of of the season. So, I think their their defense structure is very much evolving. I think Galway got in too easy for me for for a number of very clear goal chances. Um, I think Johnny Maher's one in particular. You know the defensive structure was there, and just one one good hand pass and even for johnny heaney's it was, it was one good hand pass and and everything was 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 bypassed so I, so i'm not sure the balance that half back line um is is what it needs to be come later on so i'm sure i'm sure it might be this morning now might be, might be tomorrow the guys, the guys will sit down and, and and look at that i'm i'm not sure the flow of that is right um i, I think may have dominated games for multiple different reasons um their panel is, is is incredibly strong and back but i i still think um you know one or two of those goals i know i know if and buts but if one or two of those those go in john heaney's goes in or or or, or, or johnny maris goes in it's a different different story so there's absolutely right to be tweaking things and trying things with, with different pairs different positions but there's there's still there's still work to be done there i i think the worry for me james is that johnny heaney was only on for the guts of half an hour, Killian McDade wasn't yeah. there. You can see those two coming through the middle of that when it really comes down to it. That would concern me if I was from Mayo. Yeah, uh, um, and I was surprised at Galway yesterday overall. I I thought starting off their first 15 or 20 minutes, that it, it looked like, like you never go out to, to be that way. It looked like they weren't interested in, in really attacking with with pace or tempo or trying to punch holes. It was very, very lateral, very, very slow. Um and 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 when Johnny Heaney, Johnny Heaney went up, he's he's a Johnny Heaney's a huge player for for Galway. Uh, you know, he's your seven and a half, eight out of ten man, week in, week out. Probably goes under the radar a little bit. But you know, if you're playing Galway, Johnny Heaney and what he's doing and where he is 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 something you you'll always you, you'll always factor in. And 
you got to remember then, I suppose, yeah, Killian McDay last year and the, and the season he had. Um, I don't know where he is in his injury. I think he was close to... Oh, he could have played. He could have played. 26, like. yeah. Um, obviously, obviously a massive, massive, massive player, massive engine and links things very well. So, look, go away. You know, I think Porg referenced it after the game. Not happy with losing three finals. I, I don't know. Did he, did he need to go through that in detail? But go away, you know... Didn't play well yesterday. They have a couple of their big, big players to come back. Damien Comer not fit. Shane Walsh probably still not where he needs to be. Rob Finnerty still not it needs needs to be. You know, so they'll 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 look at it, at it overall and, and and feel they're they're in a strong position. So so uh, yeah, when they get those guys back, they'll be they'll be a force. Eamon, last week we had a brief discussion about Lee Keegan and the prospect of Lee Keegan returning, and I received correspondence during the week from my good friend and boxing coach Marty Brannock who is on the cusp of launching a public campaign to get Lee Keegan back there's a Lee Keegan sized hole in my mind in the middle of that defence would you go after him? I heard you driving that alright last week Paul <laughs> uh, yeah look I, I think I think I'd, I'd have a very similar answer to what James said last week that you know when a fella has been as good a servant as as Lee Keegan was to Mayo, when he when he moves on, that's not a decision you take lightly. And uh, look, if you felt that there was an opportunity that he would come back, absolutely, I'd go after him, maybe have a cup of coffee with him, see see was there any chance. But um, you know, he, you you have to balance. I suppose what you'd always say, I heard a good bit of debate about around the Cluxon thing and Cluxon coming back. For me, it's always, is a player in the top 30 in a, in a county? Um, if Lee Keegan is still in the top 30 in Mayo, uh, possibly have a discussion with him. But you have to respect his wishes as well. Like that if he if he has taken that decision, I, I, I can't see him for turning. Um, you know, I think in the past, the likes of Mike Mack, when he came back to Kerry in 2009, that was after a defeat, um, you know, in the old qualifier system. And it was a kind of, it's almost like a new season when you had that defeat back then and you were almost starting afresh again. And uh, I think it works in that kind of a situation. So I I, I don't know. I don't know, Paul. I probably respect his, his wishes and leave him at it. But I suppose then you have to balance that with the... Willing to do whatever it takes to to to, to get Sam West to, well. to get Sam exactly. And if you were Jack, would you be going after David Morn? <laughs> he probably has already. Um, yeah, but he has. Has he? I don't know. I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me if he has. But uh, look again. You know, David made that decision. He wouldn't have made it lightly, and um, did a second baby recently, and. You know he's busy in his um, in his accounting practice, and he's a lot going on away from football as well. So um, again, and when a player makes that kind of decision, you know you have to respect this. But maybe David is getting used to the realities of club life in Kerry, and the fact that he's probably training two and three times a week, and he's games every weekend, and he's saying, Do you know what, it'd be nearly easier to be inside with Kerry, but. Uh, He's, uh, I, 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 I doubt he's for turning either, to be honest, Bob. Okay. Morris, what, what did you think of that final? Uh, I thought it was a decent game. Probably wasn't the most exciting ever. Just on that point there, Paul, by the way, I, I think you're, you're, you're backing up the wrong tree to a certain extent. If I was Jack O'Connor, the man I'm ringing is Mark O'Connor. And similarly, if 
I think Mayo weren't missing Lee Keegan, but I think if they had Oshie Mullen, it's no use going over all ground here. But definitely in the second half when McBride went off injured and you were seeing Paddy Darkin go back into Damien Conway, you were thinking that's that's a mismatch really. So they're two players that you would have loved to have back. Oddly, I was thinking a lot about Oshie Mullen yesterday. Like you'd have a, a certain degree of sympathy for, for him given he left our, our quarterfinal and they're, it looked like there might be a lull. He's joining Premiership Champions. Geelong are now three losses in a row. He's... That's my understanding. He suffered a, an injury. He's going to be on the sideline for a couple of weeks. So I'd say, yes, it probably wasn't the, the easiest day in the world. He's pretty. He's primed to have a big impact over there, but he's definitely a guy who I was thinking about yesterday that maybe he could have plugged in. Um, and just on the game itself, I, I I think Mayo, it's good to see they didn't throw the baby out with the batwater and they were content that if they were going to have to run the ball, they would do it and didn't try and fall for the trap. But on the flip side... Uh, I think Galway would be very frustrated and I think they kind of set a template for how to beat this Mayo team. I wouldn't be one bit surprised to see other teams. It was interesting to hear Eamon say there he would press Mayo's kick out. I'm not so sure other teams will do that. Um, so I think Galway would be very frustrated, particularly with the amount of missed chances in the second half. And do you do you see Galway going further than Mayo in the championship? Uh, well, I could see, I could absolutely see Galway turn them over in Sawtell for all the, the good work that uh, Mayo have done. If Mayo get over Roscommon, they play in Sawtell in three weeks' time, isn't it? Um, yes. And I think I, Galway are, I think are primed for that. There's a lot. I'd say there's a lot of frustration after that game around. Um, if I said to you that it's it's five goal chances really, not four, because Johnny Heaney's is is obviously a goal chance and there's four saves as well. Um, but if I said to you they'd create five goal chances, Shane Walsh would have three miss frees or were two miss 45s and one miss free on the 45 Damien Homer would hit the top of the post and have the Hawkeye one as well you'd be thinking go your home and cruise here so I think that that'll be particularly frustrating they very clearly were trying to bait Mayo they I, I, the reason they gave up the kick out I think was trying to see would they still try and kick the ball and force them into turnovers and it was kind of classic Keen O'Neill get to the 45 and then hit them hard and honest and try and turn them over there uh, and they did that to a certain extent and then on the flip side, like James referenced it earlier, but the first three Galway attacks, you know, Galway are forcing turnovers by doubling up Sean Fitzgerald and I thought particularly and uh, Jack Glynn when he came on were really good at that. And then on the flip side, you've got the first three attacks. They're all three misplaced hand passes, aren't they? Mm. Cook coming in off the wing for two of them. Finnerty misses one right on the top of the D as well. Um, and that's just, that, I'd say that was very frustrating. So after a, a slow start and a weak finish, Galway were still only three points off and they missed a lot of chances. So I'd say they'd be they'd be pretty frustrated that 41 years or 42 years since they won a league title and that's what will prolong that that wait. And and next weekend, of course, Roscommon are on their way to, to Castle Bar, James. And there's a lot of talk that yesterday was not ideal timing for Mayo and we take that. But which would you have preferred to be in yesterday? Roscommon down training or Mayo playing in Crow Park? Well, um, I'd say Ross Common. I'd say Ross Common um, because it's such a short turnaround. Um, you know, I'm not sure if Mayo stayed up in Dublin last night after the game. You know, it's a late enough finish by the time you finish your meal and your 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 post game recovery nutrition. Um, you just your week can be out of sync a little bit. Um, <clears throat> You know, with your training plan, you're, you 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 know you you have your set sort of training routine or whatever. Both based after a big sort of national final like that, you know you you probably need to adapt players a bit there, tired physically, and there's an emotional 
um, connection to it as well. You, you know, build up to a final and get up to Croker and and all that goes with that. So it's it's a it's a lot of bits and pieces that you need to try and um, downplay now. And, and I think you saw Kevin do that after after the game. You know, just to try and get it settled very quickly so that you can get into your 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 game week. You know, pr- probably heavier on a Tuesday and lighter on a Friday, so you're ready to go Sunday. You know, you know. And so that's a little bit out of sync. So. You know, you'd have to think that Roscommon would be sitting looking at that game. You know, they they probably had a training before, you know, a one o'clock training or something. Probably had their meal and watched it together, or, or, or you know, there'll be that kind of um, prep prep for it. So um, they'll look at that and they'll they'll learn from their league game and they'll they'll look at what Mayo did yesterday and they'll be they'll be setting up for for an ambush. Well, it's not as much an ambush anymore, but they'll be setting up for it to to, to win in Castlebar. I, I think I saw some stat today that. I just, is Ross Common have three times, won yeah. the three times um, after May have won the league? The last two times they won the league, Ross Common have turned them over in in, in championship. So um, they'll they'll be they'll be gunning and they'll feel they've they had a solid league. Um, just definitely discovered a few players as well, and they know Mayo inside out now, and they're coming to town to to steal the horses for sure. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head there, though, James. It, it's not an ambush because. People know what's coming. Yeah. And Roscommon have set their stall out. It's not like they're coming from Division 3 uh, more more in, in hope than in expectation. They have some really good players. And it's there's a fairly tight rivalry there, isn't there? Like there, there's there's um there's it's not Valentine's Day along the border really too often. Oh no, and it, like Got to go back when I was involved in 11, 12, 13. You know, we, we went over there and won by a point, you know, and got to well, our finals after it, you, you you know they're they're always they're always tough, you know. And I keep I keep referencing the dailies, you know, they they bring that hard physical physical edge to it. But they they've really good players, and they're they you know Ben O'Carroll and a couple of Brian Stack, a couple of the newer players that have come in have, have really added to it. So and with the new manager, new enthusiasm, you know, Mark McHugh's influence, they're they're a, they're a, they're a little bit more guile maybe than they than than they had. So um, they're a, they're a dangerous dangerous team. They're yeah, they've team got, and they'll they'll feel they've a they've a, they've a right chance next next Sunday. They've got some um they they've got some good forwards as well and they're young forwards. Eamon, what would you be trying to do if put yourself first of all in 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 Mayo's position? What how would you manage this week in Mayo? I think they probably I feel with the way that they approach the Manahan game, they've looked at this as a two week block uh ball and you know, they obviously had the big game in Crow Park yesterday, win it. They're moving forward with confidence. Um, I think this week is all about the mind for Mayo. It's about getting, um, you know, really tuned into Roscom and not underestimating them and really not underestimating them. That's not just talking about it, getting to the pitch. And I think that's the emotional thing that James mentioned there, that that, that can be the challenge when you have the big games week and week. Now, the only thing about it is I think that because of the nature of the league, Players and managements are used to that now where they're playing week in, week out. You know, a weekend off is, is almost a rarity at this stage. So they're used to that going from week to week. Um, but yeah, it's all about it's all about mentality this week and making sure that they are tuned into their jobs, that they're not underestimating Roscommon. Um, because the next thing you could be in a serious dogfight, which is fine. It will be a dogfight once you're ready for it. But if you're not ready for that, then... 
that's where it's very hard to turn it around inside in the middle of a game. Um, so I, I think oftentimes with these games, when you have a team coming off a big win like that, they can start slowly and then they can they can kind of almost grow into the game. So I'll be I'll be interested to see if that's the way it pans out for Mayo next weekend. But I think look, Kevin Kevin McSay was on message straight after the game. They were looking forward. They were you know delighted with the win, but at the same time they know they have a big Connacht game. And look, I felt this for a while, Paul. I, you know this game and a lot of other games. Obviously, for Mayo, we'll just look at it from Mayo's perspective. If they lost next weekend, of course it's disappointing and everything else, but it's not the end of the world in terms of big picture. It's not the end of the world in terms of trying to win Empire, which is the ultimate that they want to win. A kind of championship isn't going to do them anymore. And I looked up the gap a while back, but I can't remember now. I think that if they lose next weekend, I think they have about five weeks. Yeah, you say five to six weeks, depending on which way it works. Yeah. Yeah, depending on where they end up in yeah. for, for an, an All-Ireland series. Now, for a season team like Mayo, uh, you know, with the season players as well as the new guys in, having four or five weeks of a pre-championship block there, uh, getting ready for an All-Ireland series, I wouldn't see that as a, as a, as a bad thing. And um, uh, the disadvantage, obviously, is that their seeds three then come for, for the groupings and they'll end up with provincial finalists. But, you know, I think if you're if you're a Mayo or if you're one of the big dogs that are looking to win Sam Maguire, at that stage, you're not going to care who you're in with. Three of them are going to go forward anyway. Only one team is going to not progress. So worst case scenario, you end up in a, with a preliminary quarter final. So um, obviously this morning, they're going to be thinking about winning. But whoever loses next weekend, Mayo or Roscommon, but particularly Mayo, if they were to get turned over in terms of trying to win in All-Ireland, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, let's look at Division 2. Con is back, Eamon. He is. Um, he didn't score, though, Paul, is the only thing, if you were, <laughs> if you were nitpicking, but... Uh, yeah, he's yeah, he was he was very good. And look, I think a lot with Con is how, how the dubs use him, obviously how the opposition set up, but if they can get ball to him and get him in one on one situations, he's he's so hard to stop. Um but yeah, that game was a funny type of game. I, I think you know the first goal was was a huge the the, the long ball in and um O'Gara's flick on was a huge moment in the game and it was the most obvious square ball I've ever seen in my life, but it, it was nobody seemed to pick up on it. And uh, the only thing I was thinking, looking at it, I was saying, did the umpires think that it was it was Khan that got the touch on it? But uh, O'Gara actually started behind Oran Lynch, like he was actually standing behind him inside in the square. Um, so it it was it, you know it kind of changed the flow of the game, and it it gave it gave the Dubs a bit of momentum, and they drove on and. They got goals and they'll be delighted with that. And they should have got a couple of more. And they haven't been scoring goals over the last couple of seasons. So, and you know, when they were at their best, they were brilliant at getting goals and you know, getting the hill behind them and driving momentum and everything else. So, um, they'll be delighted with that. But uh, they haven't gone away. We 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 knew we knew that they they weren't gone away. But uh, they're 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 looking as dangerous as ever. In fairness. Yeah, and for Derry, though, it, there is a context to this, though. I thought Dublin were good yesterday, and I thought Dublin were better. But there is a context to it, and that is the game was still tight when Conor Glass went off injured. 
I'm fairly sure Conor Glass would not have gone off if that was a championship match. Number one. Number two, Chrissy McCaig wasn't there. And I'm not too sure that Derry, well, it's obvious that Derry don't have the panel to cope with two of players of that quality going on. I'm not sure that any team does. Like, look, Dublin were two points up in the league against Derry when James McCarthy went off injured. So you take James McCarthy out of Dublin at any stage. James McCarthy was magnificent yesterday. And you take him out, Dublin are in trouble. But James, where, 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 what did Derry look like yesterday to you? Yeah, for, fortunately, we're just back on Con. Like, he's he's so important to Dublin. He's such a threat. And I take him as point. He could he could score more. And I, I think I agree with him completely on how he's utilised. There, there needs to be a much higher percentage ball uh, played to played to Con. You know, his his ball winning ability and then his acceleration to get away from a guy is creates so much. Yeah, his first six steps, unreal. Yeah, yeah, he 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 can. He's quite stuck. He's got very. He's obviously very strong, but he's quick on that acceleration. So he loses defenders and creates the overlap um, more times. So there's going to be. He creates such so many so many chances. And y- you know, it's funny. We talked about Dublin a few weeks ago, and you you look at them after yesterday, and I, I was thinking, you know, Khan playing well, Paul Mannion coming on, Kieran Kilkenny looking sharp, Brian Fenton in the middle field, James McCarthy. Running, Brian Howard to come back in. Is Jack McCaffrey coming in? Stephen Cluxon back in there. So there was, there's so many players that you start to think, right? If they if they hit form and and you, you know, no more than you know for for Mayo and, and and the provincial championships now, Dublin can can pick and choose and select the ideal lead in that they need. You know, so if they're getting those players back and getting getting them all lined up, um. You, you know, watch out. They're, they're, they're still such such a threat. You know, Sean Bugler, but you know, you know, there's a lot of yeah, Bugler is vital. I think Bugler. Ah, like yeah, a... he's a very good player. You know, he's a very good wing forward. You, you, you know, that's that's dangerous. Gets on a lot of ball. You know, he covers, moves it, moves it on quickly. A very unselfish player. All, all those kinds of things that you want in a in a wing forward. So, you know, John Small, Mick Fitz. You know, that win yesterday, because for me during the league, you know, we we're saying that Dublin look vulnerable at times. I think their confidence is just rattled, you know, because they they had such an aura a couple of years ago and did such even playing bad. They knew they're together. They'll win it. They'll find a way. They'll get through it. Their big plays will come up. Big players at big times. All that kind of stuff. That's been missing now with 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 the changes and with everything else. But it's funny a game like yesterday. Um, that first goal was a big change. But you, you know, it can turn things around. Or it might be the sort of foundation they can actually build now for because the season hasn't really started yet as regards what's what, what's happening so um that could give them a them, them a huge lift Derry you heard Rory straight after the game again the, the interviews are always interesting Aka was nice to nice to get up to Croker for a run out um you know he'd moved he'd uh, he'd moved on before that game had 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 ended you know um or maybe before well, it, it was, started so you know when you you know when you went out to face the press after uh Say a day when it things had unraveled or things hadn't gone as, as well as they would. What, who were you talking to? Uh, I just it was always and ever uh, for me, and I'd be interested in Eamon's. It was always what did the what did the group need to hear and and, and what was next? Um, so you're talking was, only to your players, really? Only oh, first and foremost, 
to the to the players to generally you know you because you'd always go in you know you'd, you'd have gone through the game you'd always go into the dressing room after the game before the press would be waiting but you'd go into the dressing room after a game and you, you know you'd, you'd you'd talk to a few of the players and, and the vibe and the feel and you'd know how you did against what you, you said you'd do and you'd know your the length of time to your next game and what the training plan was so you'd you'd know you'd already speak to the players before you go out to the press uh, and then you 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 just give a i suppose a consistent message with what you, you you'd said not obviously giving anything away but maybe maybe trying to put out a few fires as well if those fires uh you, you know um being being generated out in the, in, in the public whatever you you try and maybe address some of those proactively um so that you could give you know that the team would have the space and time that it that it needs to prepare well for the, for the next encounter you know so 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 there'd be a lot of that but just back to Derry, just very quickly Paul. um you know one one, one game doesn't define you you know so it, there'll be a lot of you know this morning dairy small panel dairy this dairy that dairy the other they're going to be tough regardless to play later on in later on in the year you, you know when they get chrissy back and you know Connor Glass is back, and maybe they add one or two more guys that you know. I think I see see that is Kieran McFall coming back in. There's a few players maybe have been added. Yeah, and lads from the twenties as well who are involved. The under twenties, and that's really some scenario poor. that, that really Rory's facing there. That is that is just absolutely completely unfair on Derry, in, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, five under twenties make a huge difference to to any panel, no matter how experienced or. or, or Panelists and they would have been training with the senior team, and then all of a sudden they they won't be available for for a championship game because of the seven day rule or whatever it is. So that's that's a, a bizarre scenario. Derry need to add something different to what they're what they've done in the national league. Um, I I don't know, it's, you know, it's predictable. The word was a fair word, but they they have a system of play um, that's very has been very effective for them. Um, they got caught. They got caught yesterday. I think they'll need to add a slightly different dimension um, later later on in the season if they want to be really competitive when it comes to the comes to the series side. But Rory moved it on. He knows exactly where where he is and where where, where things are. Um, they had a good Division Two campaign overall. You know, there's there's, there's, there's no question about it. They'd be disappointed with yesterday, but he's bigger plans than 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 yesterday. And Eamon, were you the same as James when you went out? To talk to the press, what were you? What were you trying to do? Um, no, very similar. I'd always have had a golden rule that you go back to the dressing room first and you you speak to the players whether it it, it, that it was win or lose. Um, if you if you'd won the game, I'd often once I had met the players, go straight and deal with the press and do my press duties. But if we'd lost, I'd nearly always shower, change, gather myself. Uh, give myself a bit of thinking time just to say, you know, what was the message I wanted to put out, or if there was, if you knew that certain things were going to be coming at you, maybe to have thought about something that you'd say. So I always like to be relatively calm by the time I got to deal with the press. So if you'd like Samaras picking out of you, then that you'd be. I, I was going to say to you, is there anyone who really got under your skin? <laughs> um, no, no, not, not that really. Morris would get under anyone's <laughs> skin, but it, although. Jack and him are not close. No, you, you were saying last week that he was pressing jackbutton last yeah. week. So, <laughs> um, 
It's uh, I'll be watching that one with interest for the rest of the year. Um, <laughs> uh, no, there wasn't really, to be honest, Paul. There wasn't. Uh, I look, I think in general, most of the, the, the journalists, and particularly the journalists that are following the game week in, week out, they're very fair. And if there's hard questions to be asked, they'll ask them. But, um, you, you know, you don't have a problem with that, so um. Yeah, no, but I was. I, I, I am often surprised when I see managers, especially after this, a defeat, speaking straight away uh, on on camera. Especially, um, you know, you're 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 not giving yourself any fair play, really. You're not giving yourself a chance to gather yourself. And obviously, for for a, for a, a journalist, that's gold because you're getting a person maybe at their rawest and maybe their most vulnerable. But uh, I never put myself in that position. But um, <clears throat> going back to the thing with Khan, just before we move on from that, I just think with the dubs and Khan, like it's probably a point that's laboured, but you know that they don't use him enough. And I know that opposing systems means that he can't be used at times, but they certainly need to kick more ball into him. And part of it then is I think Khan's movement has dried up a bit as well. Big time, because, yeah. Because they're just not they're not kicking balls, so he's not showing as much. And it's it's kind of the chicken and egg thing. So if they can build that relationship again, or if he can build a relationship with the kickers out the field where they're more likely to kick ball into him, he'll be buzzing around a bit more. And the next thing, it can take off like it did in the second half yesterday. But I think there's certainly a, a factor of that with, with, with Khan as well at the moment. What did you think of, of that yesterday, Morris? I, I'm delighted to hear uh, Eamon say that because sometimes you're... You're watching a game and kind of a, a very simplistic thought comes into your head and you know you think, should I even articulate this or does it make me sound like an idiot? But the two thoughts that did definitely come into my head yesterday was, um, I just think the, I think this is kind of a, a disaster of Derry's own making, to be honest. They, they went absolutely gung-ho. Like Conor Glass lads played the first league game six days after he played an Ireland club final. So he was given no break there. And then he tied up in a dead rubber against Cork last week. Like, is it any surprise he limped off with a hamstring injury? On top of that, then Chrissy McCoy also got injured in the same game. So I, I preached they were two two massive losses. I wouldn't read anything into Derry structurally because they're probably their two most players. Um But I do think, Paul, you said, would any team cope with that? Yes, I, I do think so. Galway did. Like, Paul McDade and Malloy out of the Galway team and they've coped just fine. So he can develop a squad. I, Gallagher's made a big play about the fact he's he's a squad of... It's 29, I think, isn't it? They don't even have enough numbers to play internal games. But yeah. it, I, a lot of teams are working with 36 or more. Um, he, he has decided to pick this very small squad and go gung-ho every single week. And I think that's, it's a very, uh, pardon the pun, it's a very obvious Achilles heel. And so I, I do think that was that was exposed slightly yesterday. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see how they fare up when you've got, if, they were, if they're going to go gung-ho for Ulster, as it sounds like they will, how they'll fare up with those amount of games. But do, on the flip side of that, it did kind of strike me that like, like, part of, like, I, once I was watching Conor Callaghan and I was thinking, his movement is bad. You know, he's running directly at a ball. If you were coaching an under 12, you were going to be telling him. If you were to contrast Conor Callaghan's movement in the first game with Ryan O'Donoghue's in the second game and those kind of lateral runs trying to get away from Johnny McGrath, how often he just dives headfirst at a ball to, to win a mark. Uh, com- contrast, I, just, I know maybe it is, maybe Eamon's right, maybe it's not that they're kicking the ball to him but I was he seemed Conor Callan seemed very comfortable with McCluskey right in beside him on top of him and maybe that's because he knows if a ball is up 50-50 between the two of them he's going to win it but I, it did strike me right that he he's not running 
you know, the train tracks or any sort of lateral movement that you would expect from an inside forward. He very often is is stationary or running straight out directly towards the ball, which isn't necessarily the run that I think you want when you're kicking a ball in. I'm not even sure. Lorcan Odell definitely mean, didn't mean his goal. I thought Fenton was going for points for that first goal. I think that's why the umpire didn't see the square ball. He's taking a step back to look up as Fenton was coming through there. And then the ball dropped in and the two boys were, were in the square. But I, I think both of those goals were, were accidents. Um, so yeah, it, it did strike me right that maybe, as and maybe it is, maybe Eamon's right. Maybe he, it's because they're not kicking the ball into him. But he definitely, he, he does a lot of time standing for a guy who you would like to see out in front and he would be such a, a perfect out ball if he was doing that. Uh, you, you don't have any access to, to stats from Dublin on, on running running stats, all of that. You don't see any of that. Like GPS-wise? Mm. No. It'd be easier to get stuff out of the Kremlin, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Eamon, actually, while we're on stats, that was you had a devastating attack on Morris in the paper last <laughs> week. He was in... He was in a data, but you, you actually said, and the quote is that teams were who were data-driven were slaves to the numbers. Morris was in a dark place after that. No, 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 no. There's, there's, there's always a place for the numbers, Paul. But uh, no, I think, in fairness, uh, I think maybe some some coaches read too much into it. I, I, I think that numbers can inform, for me, particularly after a game, that they can be very useful in terms of... Um, informing your your post match analysis but i think possibly that you know if you go to a level that everything has to be a certain way because the numbers say it it doesn't give the freedom to um take on a game that's in front of your face then you need to have that flexibility that depending on what's happening in front of you you can adapt and you can feel a game and go with the feel of a game rather than it just being completely data driven but it wasn't attacking Morris in fairness, so. But Morris actually has, uh, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, Morris has a, an extensive PowerPoint that he's prepared here in response <laughs> to Eamon's onslaught. Morris, the floor is yours. Uh, well, there's a big problem on, with this show that I am the only one of the four of us frequently who's contactable on social media. So I always hear, even if I don't say anything wrong, even if one of you say something wrong, I still hear about it during the week. <laughs> I like that, Morris. Um, so for last week, for example, I had a lot of analysts get on to me about the stuff with Jack. A lot. Of, I mean, I could show you some of my messages, lads. Uh, and I thought it was implied, just clarify now, I thought it was implied that Jack O'Connor was obviously right in that exchange. You don't want to kick long if a team is giving it up to you short. But just on... And and go no no finish that point you can't move on from that finish that point so what is what was Jack right or wrong he was absolutely right he was yeah absolutely right it was a th- I thought it was is this a public was... apology Morris is this... sure. I I thought it was obviously a terrible ter- if I have to clarify everything I will but I thought it was implied that it was a very badly phrased question the point I was getting at was that teams are going after Kerry's kick out now they're giving them up to the short the exact same thing that Galway did to Mayo teams have been doing to Kerry all league long um, I'm not going to go over. Very, very tired ground there. Um, just, just on the, the, the thing about the stats, though, I think that is interesting. Uh, like, I, I read I read your column, Eamon, as I always do, and then I was researching for another article a couple of minutes later, and uh, you had made the point about the game has become more like basketball, and maybe we need to look at those the, that game for solutions. And it just so happens, I was researching, I was going through the archives last week, Paul, um, and I read, I was, read, I was interviewing Billy Joyce Sparks' uncle yeah. in Galway. Yeah, it was a great and, piece, actually. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it in the examiner, yeah. it's an absolutely brilliant piece. 
But he, uh, I, I found a, a piece before they played Roscommon in the 1981 league final. It was in the Connor Tribune. And it was talking about how Galway were coming, getting used to this newfangled game, which has become more like basketball and volleyball. That was 41 years ago. And the, the, point, the reason I bring that up is because I think as the game changes, we love to, we love to point to other sports or dietitians or statisticians or all this sort of blame for what's happening to the game. And the reality, to my mind, is it's the re- when we get a bad game or when you see these defensive structures, it's nothing to do with numbers. It's to do with bad coaching. And as Eamon said there, a lot of coaches will use numbers to confirm their own philosophy or, a lot of co- or vice versa. So, for example, I don't think Mickey Mahars pays any heed to numbers, but he has a very clear philosophy on the game. He's had it for 20 years and he set up a team up to that. And maybe the numbers will confirm that, but he's not using numbers to drive his game. On the flip side, I think a lot of coaches have a philosophy. The best, I can tell you this for a fact, the team who played the best football across all four divisions in this league are very numbers obsessed. They really go over numbers after the league. So th- there's, How there's, do you mean? Yeah, explain that, explain that. Like, for example, there's, it's, you know, all I'm saying is you can, use, you can use numbers to confirm your own feelings on games. So if, let's say, for example, I think Jack O'Connor would carry, as it happens, Eamon, I think he is he's not as interested in turnovers as other coaches are because the only turnover that he really cares about is one where you're exposed on the flip side. But if somebody, if a ball is pumped in on top of David Clifford and he loses that ball, I don't think he wants that to be considered the same thing as a turnover if David Moran drops a ball on his own 45 and Dublin goes through there and scores a goal, for example. So you can pick and choose. All numbers are as a tool. They're just a tool for you to, and you can use that positively or negatively, but I don't think it's to do with the, the stats itself. I think it's to do with overarching philosophies. And sometimes you'll, you'll be up zone in on certain things but you're only doing that because you're trying to get it to fit within your philosophy so I, I, it happens in every sport this, ha- this, this debate is happening in basketball right now as well in terms of the impact three pointers and everything around the three point rule yeah it, it, it's, it's across the board but I do think that by and large the best analysts in my experience the best analysts the guys who I have most time for are guys who aren't going back over and obsessing over numbers they're obsessing over structure they're picking out the, I'll tell you what if you go back and watch the last round of the league one team, some teams will go back and they look at raw numbers for turnovers. Other teams are going back and they're pulling data for uh, scanning. You know, you go, uh, there was two incidences, Paddy Clifford against Galway and James McCarthy against Loud, where they're running, streaming in a goal, with their head up, they're scanning left and right, creating goal chances. And the best analysts are the ones who are trying to emphasize that sort of stuff, not certain numbers. So, and Yeah, I, there's, there's, there's a lot in what you said there, Morris. I completely agree. Like, being involved in some teams where, you know, Tackling and even Dublin when at their best, tackling was a huge, huge stat that they used. But if you expand that out, you know, some a, a player um, might have one or two tackles per game, but he might have read defensively brilliantly. You know, he he might have got a tackle in, but but say those two people coming at him, he split them very well and covered off the risk and slowed them down and made them turn, etc. 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 So there's a huge amount. In, in that, that's a much better play than I'm trying to rush in and get a tackle, for example, to get his, to, to get his stats up. And sometimes teams do get caught up in, you know, the 10.5K and the, the amount of high high speed running that they do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, if you just take the numbers, it's out of context. It needs to be in the context of the game and the position and the reading and where the game is at, et cetera, et cetera. So sometimes stats can, can, give, you the, can give you the complete wrong picture. You know, um, where, where I found stats very, very useful is is that for individual development. You know, if if if, if a player, um, you, you know, his his general movement, or you, you know, you can track the, the sort of quarters of the pitch that he's in, 
or what what speeds he's hitting or when he's when he's covering back what speed he's hitting or when he's trying to accelerate to win a ball what what speed etc etc so that can be something that you can have an individual development plan with a guy that maybe needs to get up on certain areas or maybe his acceleration or his push off isn't strong enough so data around that is can be very useful but it's often important that um you know the context of the game and the decision making in the game is sort of linked to the to the stats otherwise it's just it's just cold numbers that that mean very little yeah and it's 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 man- managing numbers is it's it's not a straightforward it's not a straightforward thing we we, I want to look at Division Four. I want to look at the Division Four final between Sligo and and Wicklow. And this point about the under twenties, like Wick, Wicklow fielded against Sligo without three under twenties. They've been excellent under twenty team, and their three best players from that team are on the Wicklow senior football team. Didn't play at the weekend because Wicklow, Wicklow have a a vital under twenty Leinster championship, essentially knockout match against Loud on, on, on Tuesday evening, plus two players. So Wicklow are basically down five players and they gave it to Sligo for, for long stretches. And I think ultimately Sligo's athleticism uh, played out in, in that game. But now Wicklow go and play Carlo next weekend um, without, without a week's break, Morris. It seems that the structure, there, there has to be space between the league and the championship, just one week at least. For teams, or, sorry, one free weekend for teams uh, b- b- as a buffer between league and championship. Yeah. So, do you think we extend out this season, Paul, or do we get rid of league finals? Because oh, I get rid of league finals. To to what end? Because I think a league is a league. I think the best team in the league who finishes with the most points should win the league. Yeah. So let's say you get rid of. Like I wouldn't want a Premiership final between Man City and Arsenal. Yeah, that, I, that's understandable. I, I, I have to say, I I find it difficult to find too much truck with the argument of getting rid of league finals because, like, let's say you got rid of, there was no league finals this weekend. What difference does it make? Mayo, they get an extra week. Yeah, fair enough. Galway, did they go to Portugal last Monday instead of this Monday? So they get an extra week to, to go after one more holiday. Kerry were, if Kerry had gotten in instead of Galway, they're also going to Portugal. So do they get an extra week on top of that? I, I don't know why we would... Rather than fix a totally imbalanced system, and it looks like the provincial championships are just set in stone, we're not going to tinker with that. I moving the chairs and the as the Titanic is going down doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So I I, I don't really get the idea we're going to get rid of competitive, entertaining games for the sake of one week. For it would suit Mayo definitely to have another week. I would be in favour if you could push out the Ireland final a week and build it in that way. But I don't know why we're getting rid of games that we want to watch so that we can. Facilitate. A lot of teams are going to take extra long training breaks anyway. As as has been, we're going over. I know we talk about this conversation again and again, but it is just the elephant in the room. Is the winter championship is the problem. Um, you're skipping around the fact that you were commentating on this game. I have to watch this game on mute. I'm not going to lie to you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, hold on, no, hold on, no, Morris. You didn't watch this game on mute. You were in the RDS wearing a Leinster jersey, drinking pints of Heineken with the lads mm. when we, when when I was at the games of the Gale in Croke Park. <laughs> you, yeah, you love a good Cush Clay, in fairness to you. Um, <laughs> to what extent was this part of your campaign to get on the Late Late Show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a groundswell. I understand there was a second tweet. Um, <laughs> there's, a groundswell, <laughs> there's a groundswell behind it. And, and uh, yeah, we'll move very, very, very quickly along from that. James, I want to ask you about, about Sligo. Sligo are 
on a plane on Friday morning to go to Ricelip. How how did you enjoy those ventures when you were a manager? Yeah, they're they're they'll always be with me, I suppose. Uh, particularly particularly <laughs> Ricelip. Um, you nearly yeah, came I, a cropper in Ricelip, didn't you? Oh, we were two points down going into injury time. In your first year, in my in my first in my first championship game my first year almost the shortest in manager during the career of all time I, I i i would say um yeah trevor trevor mortimer um andy andy moran and kevin mack got us got us got us out of jail that that day in injury uh, time in injury time went extra time and and then 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 we we came home um yeah um the trips to yeah we'd, we'd fun in new york a couple of times as well um when you when you're preparing for a Connacht championship and, and and look I think I think the provincial championships are, are completely devalued now I think they're different now this year to to, to what they were um so 2014 you know, 2019 was the last time we we're in in um in New York yeah it just it's something you don't need there are headaches you don't need to come into championship um the logistics your training plans, um, hotels. I remember the last time we were in New York, the hotels with three in a room and those one bed, for example. You know, I mean, crazy stuff that you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe. Just training facilities, your the nutrition and all, all that kind of stuff. Then there's partners and families and events and everything yeah, else. Because it's a big thing imagine. for Mayo. There's so many Mayo people in London yeah. as well. It's it's such a big thing to go there. Yeah, I, and the, the part of that is, is important. Don't get me wrong, but I suppose my focus would be trying to trying to get a team there. Um, you know, with minimal disruption, you know, do a job and, and get home and and, and prepare. So, um, you know, there might be some players that would have to wait for for different things after the game. Anyway, it, it's 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 all in all, it's about a week out of your 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 your, your training cycle. Believe it or not, the prep to go. You're probably going Wednesday night, maybe Thursday morning. And it's probably Monday or Tuesday back, and then the recovery and everything that goes with it. So there's a lot to it. And then when they get out there, there's there's various things. But but yeah, rice rice lip um rice lip can be very tricky. Um and and some of the encounters this year, uh, watch out, you know, when you with, with Sligo and, and Leitrim, um there could be there could be some very difficult games there. Um, I think Le- Leitrim have Le- Leitrim are off. So the first game in the in the first game in the, in the championship. Is 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 on Saturday afternoon, London, uh, London at home to to Sligo, and the second game is that night, uh, Leitrim, Leitrim in New York. That's a tricky one as well. Yeah, yeah, you've you've really no idea um, what you're going to face out there as regards the team. You, you know, you you pick up some of the you, you know you do your research, you do whatever, and you try and get players, and there's always a couple of Kerry players in there. They could be fairly good. There's always a couple of Galway players, you know that you know Galway have lots of players. All that kind of stuff. So you're trying to piece together, and ultimately you go back to where you know you, you know playing your game, etc. But you're not quite sure what you'll meet. And all the story is that New York have trained consistently, trained well, and very similar team to last year, etc., etc. So that there's a there's there's a surprise going to happen out there at some stage for for sure, you know. So so uh, yeah, Andy Andy more than anyone knows exactly what 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 can happen out there. So he'll he'll prepare accordingly but but um yeah it's a it's they're eventful trips um for for sure and and Kevin Fermanagh uh, aiming in the in the in the third 
in, in the Division 3 final, Cavan kind of eased to victory in that one, really. They did in the end, I suppose, Paul. Yeah, it was. Now, to be fair to both of the, both sets of teams on Saturday night, the conditions were very tough. Oh, they were uh, shocking, yeah. You were there like it was it was really pouring rain and it was, uh, you know, it was hard to play quality football, but you'd be expecting that of, of Cavan, to be honest, uh, Paul. I mean, it, it isn't that long ago that they were in Division 1. I know they went back down through the divisions. They've won an Ulster Championship. They seem to have developed this kind of habit of, Becoming unstuck on the big day, like like the Talton Cup final last year, um, and it, it was something I felt that you know when I think it was, was it Wicklow that relegated them in the game a couple of years ago yeah. as well. That those kind of big games they, with the quality of players that they have and they have very good management team as well. They they were just were coming a cropper in those kind of games that you'd expect them to win. So I think that was a huge win for them Saturday evening. Um, they're moving forward now. The Armara obviously playing Antrim next uh, next weekend, and you 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 know you'd be expecting Armagh to win that game. And Kevin will really be looking forward to having a right cut at Armagh, particularly when Armagh have had a tough enough spring. So they you know they're coming into the game full of confidence. Armagh going the other way at the moment. They're both in Division Two next year, so that's going to be a huge game for them. And uh, to be fair to Farman as well, like they're, that that game with Derry is going to be a very interesting game as well. And I think they probably learned a bit. You know, I know Alton Kelm has been outstanding throughout the league, but the last day, like he's traditionally he's a half back and he's been playing, you know, in the forwards and his explosive pace has been brilliant throughout the league. But when he was marked as tightly as he was the last evening, he looked like a back playing in the forwards, if that makes sense. And he he needs another bit of time up there to develop and to figure out the bit of movement and how to get away from a very tight back. When you're not used to it, that's a very strange sensation when he's been used to, you know, always coming on to the ball and everything else. So I think he'll, he'll benefit from that test as well, the, the last day. So, um, you know, we mentioned Derry already with, with, if the likes of Chrissy, Chrissy McCaig and McAvoy are back in their full back line, if Connor Glass is back in midfield, they'll be formidable again. But if they're down those three players, Fermanagh will fancy having a real cut at them as well. I think so. Ma- Morris, you're, you, you've watched Ulton Kelm closely. Yeah, I thought, no, and just uh, on, I, Padraig Faulkner, I thought, didn't give him a kick. He's had a Trojan league. Right, magnificent. Was probably, he was magnificent on Saturday evening. It was it was a, it was probably it was a defenders weekend, really, wasn't it, Paul? Just given the yeah. conditions and stuff. But himself and I thought himself and Shea Cullen in that game were were brilliant. Yeah, Shea Cullen, Cullen was outstanding. Yeah, Kellen is an interesting case study, though, and just in terms of sometimes you hear people say, you know, that we've nearly maxed out athleticism, and then you see a guy like this, and there definitely is a bit of a gulf between him and some other players he's sharing the field with. He, uh, as it happens, he was. I think very close to joining Geelong before they signed Oshie Mullen. They're a very similar athletic profile, um, like remarkably similar by all accounts in, in terms of metrically you now when they were doing testing in the combine. Um, and yeah, he was very close to joining Geelong. And actually when Mullen originally joined to uh, joined or said he was going to join Geelong, the Fremantle, a rival club out West, decided to swoop in and take Callum instead. Now he, he ended up, he suffered a hip injury and it didn't work out at the time. But you can see why, you can absolutely see why an AFL club would be Interested in him, still interested in him, maybe just because he is the way he moves over the ground. Even the as much as I thought he was really well marshaled at the weekend, but at the very end, when 
Ryan Jones has a, a chance. I thought there was a goal on there. It's, it's 11 points to 1-4. He's coming through and Kenny Clark is coming towards him. I think he could have popped that and then that game becomes really interesting. But he takes his point anyway and from the next kick out, Fermanagh win it back again and Kellen gives a really good pass into Quigley. And oh, beautiful he, pass. But pass as he sk- Yeah, as he skips past there, Paul, I thought like they could, you could start to see them maybe carve Kevin open. I thought that game could have gotten really interesting there and then suddenly Ray McGallagher, speaking of Good goalkeepers across this weekend, lads, were mm. unbelievable. Like Galligan's kick out there is kicking underfoot. We didn't talk about Mark Jackson, John McNally, five incredible saves. We've already talked about Reap. Um, David O'Hanlon, if David O'Hanlon keeps playing like this, there's no case for Steve Cookson to come back into this team. Like the save he made was unbelievable. I think he's got one three off his own kick out against Derry, which is fair going when you've got one on an inch pressing in the corner forward position as he was the weekend. Um, but yeah, just to circle back to I do think there, there's a big reliance in Fermanagh on. Kellen and McGurn, you, you, I've really got that sense at the weekend. If you look outside of Kellen and McGurn, Aidan Breen has kept in, tripped in with a couple of points. Ryan yeah, Jones has got for a few scores as well. But their spread of scoring isn't as deep. So they're, I think they're strong, but they definitely there's a target around the two of them from that sector. And then on the flip side, Cavan are, are so well conditioned. Like Andre Quinn must be the certain conditioning coaches Mickey Graham brought from the start, must be really earning his coin because they. I saw this Cavan team were well beaten by Down in, in their 20s a couple of years ago. Niall Carlin was actually a captain on that team. He, I watched him Cavan against Down a couple of weeks ago in the league. He looks like a, a new man. He's to, he's dwarfing some of the guys that gave them a good beating that day. So they've really accelerated. And then on top of that, when you can introduce Madden and Smith and McLaughlin after 19 minutes, you're, you're probably in a, in a fairly good place. So I think Cavan will be very encouraged by what they got out of the league. And uh, for Mana, they still know what they already knew, which is that they've got a very strong core, but maybe not. When you scratch about the surface there, they're not maybe at that top-tier level quite yet. I um, I was up in Cavan on on Saturday morning uh, in around Breffney Park. I think it's my favourite pitch in the ground to go to. It's just it's an amazing... You're down in the hollow and you're, you're, the old stand is amazing. There's a museum in the stand and they've really done their history stuff brilliantly with the the photos on the walls but and that that's it and it's 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 a superb they they look after the place magnificently but what struck me more than anything else were their plans for development in Cavan and how much has been given to Cavan football they have a decent astro they have two pitches around it for um for man and we're playing Cavan in an under 16 match there and it was a fine game of football like, there's a lot of development going on in Cavan who are who are it's a really serious football county mars yeah, and on top of that, then you look at the... I think there's a real buoyant mood about the fact that someone like Darren McVitie is back now, for example, I think gives him a huge... If the point he kicked again in the second half on his right was was very incredible as well, I think, um, across the board. James Burke is someone who works with you, obviously, James. By all accounts, he's uh, he's added a nice layer as well in terms of from a, from a coaching uh, perspective. Yeah, so. James has coached me for, for the last four years. Yeah, he, he's um, oh, he's a brilliant coach. You know, obviously played with Ballymun, played, played with Mayo. Um, very good understanding of the sport, but very <laughs> dedicated coach, <clears throat> an ambitious coach, you know, really wants to learn, um, learn the game and develop the game. So uh, he'll be, he, he's a huge, I've no doubt he's a huge addition to, to, to Kevin's Mickey Graham. I, I, I was thinking at the weekend, there's one thing I'd like to touch on before we do a very quick run through the games of, of the weekend. I, I, it was, in doing the co-commentary on TJ Carr on on that match on on Saturday evening, one of the great it was it's a privilege in fairness to be in such a position like that to watch a game from where it is to see what's going on from. But one of the great privileges, apart from dealing with like an awful lot of very sound people, was having the ref mic. 
in and hearing, being able to hear what the ref was talking to the players about during the game. And obviously I didn't see the ones from, from some Sunday, but I thought the refereeing at the weekend was excellent. I certainly thought, I thought Paul Falloon and Anthony Nolan were brilliant on, on, on Saturday evening in atrocious conditions. And I, in, in particular, the way uh, they, they spoke to the players and were, were, were kind of having almost pre-foul words with players, trying to get them to ease off on various things. It was a fascinating insight. And it's that audio. I, I actually was wondering whether you couldn't make something, a really good program out of that audio alone of, of that, that commentary with players. I, I don't know if you've, if, if you've, if you've heard that Eamon, in, in, in when you've been there. Um, I haven't actually, Paul, they only seem to do it for certain games, finals, I think uh, usually, but look, the the communication thing is the thing always from a player's perspective. If you're dealing with a referee that will communicate with you, even if they're wrong, at least you've uh, you know you're getting their rationale and they're they're human. And going back to when Pat McEnany was regarded as the top ref, he was always very good at that. You know that he would he communicate with the players at their level. But uh, they did a program on it one time. All right, Paul, they did um, the All Ireland in twenty. The All Ireland twenty, yeah. When they mic'd up David Coldrick, was it? They forgot to tell the players, and they forgot yeah. to tell us, which was, which was, yeah, oh, was God, not was good, mad. not good. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is fascinating. There's no doubt about it, and uh, it's great. But like I said, going back to the positive point, it is great to see that level of communication going on, and and it's important. It's important that uh, you know when the when the game is constantly moving on to new levels, that uh, officialdom and the referees are moving with it. So what we're going to very quickly do now is we're going to talk about Clare Cork because Clare Cork is a massive game in the Munster Football Championship. Uh, Eamon, how do you see this game? Um, look, I suppose putting into the the mix that it's on above in Cusick Park, which always, it is a factor and Clare are very hard to beat up there, but I, I, I can't see beyond Cork, to be honest, Paul. I think they're... I think there's something different about them this year. They're, um, you know, they're just they're coming back to more what Cork are about, and they're, they they should take a good bit of confidence out of the league. I know they had a couple of setbacks the Loud game in particular, but in general they had a very good league. They they scored an awful lot of goals. They created an awful lot of goal chances. You mentioned before the factor that Kevin Welch is in there with them and his experience from now on is going to really be, you know, at this stage, he's well embedded into the setup. They know him, he knows them. And his experience from now on is going to be very telling and very important. Um, I think Cork have to win it. So I'll be, uh, you know, I, I while appreciating how tough Clare can be above there and how near Clare were to having a few great wins in the league, I, I, I do think that Cork will do the business all right. Yeah, I, I, I want to ask you about that, though. Isn't there, there's a bit of a theme here with Cork footballers that when they meet a well-coached team, they seem to unravel a little bit, and particularly if that team is defensive. So Loud, for example, set up against Cork and said, right, lads, come on, here you go, break us down. And and they 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 just were too organised for Cork. And I think Clare yeah. will be really organised on, 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 on the weekend. And Clara, we know Clara have a couple of really good forwards. I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a really difficult one for Cork. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it will be a very difficult one and it'll be tight. But I, I just, I've liked what I've seen from Cork so far in the league and taking your point about breaking down that defence. A lot of teams struggle with it, but I think, again, the Kevin Welch influence will be important there. Um, I, I just, in particular, Cork against Dublin, I just saw things in them that day that I haven't seen in a couple of years. Um, I didn't see the Loud game. So I'm not sure exactly what went on that day, but I just, yeah, I just think that Cork are coming strong again. And I I, I think that if they are to be an item, they have to win games like this. And, uh, you know, while accepting if Clare win, it won't be a huge shock. Yeah, James, how do you see that? Yeah, we've talked about Clare um, a good bit over the last last few weeks. I'd, I'd, I'd be a big fan of, of Clare. Um, and and their the way they play and the, the honesty and 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 the physicality that they <clears throat> that they bring, I I I think they <clears throat> they'll definitely be hurting after the league, you you know. And they of all people want to hear that they had a couple of close ones, a couple of good performances, and should have got and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't doesn't wash, you know, when you're relegated. So I think they'll 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 re, have regrouped strongly. I I I would think. Um. For, for the championship and they know what they're about and then they, they they'll go back to what they're what they're strong at and 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 and, and try and get get a consistency cork i sort of agree with them and i think there's a lot of different stuff going on um green shoots for for, for sure but in an arm wrestle in cusick park against a team that are hurting that you know what you're going to get from claire i just think they they, they might sneak it um, but but again, if Cork hit and continue, they they they, they could win and and you know go on and rattle Kerry. You know we don't know where Kerry are yet, for example. So so there, there there's all that there's all that there. But if I was putting money, well, I'd I'd I'd, I'd go on clear. Morris, where do you stand? I'd happily take James's money and I'd go for Cork. <laughs> <laughs> right, we, we talk off, offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll hold it, lads. I'll hold the bag. Um, uh, if we look at the second game in the Munster Championship, again, uh, not exactly uh, getting the most enormous amount of profile that you would expect, but Eamon Tipperary Watford in Turles at two o'clock next Sunday. Yeah, look. Just say 40,000 there if that's a hurling match. Will there be, how many will be there? Will there be 4,000? Will there be four thousand? I don't know. Will would would there probably not even probably? No, I wouldn't say even four thousand. Particularly the way the league went for for both counties, there there isn't a huge amount of optimism or momentum in either county at the moment. Um, look, you you'd be expecting Tipperary to win, um, uh, particularly when it's on in Simple Stadium. But again, it's a tight one to call. I. I I'd be leaning more towards Tipperary, but again, um, if Watford went up there and did a job in them, it wouldn't shock me. I just think Tipperary are at a bit of a low ebb at the moment, um, and their their league they they've gone backwards from where they were. Obviously, like because they were a serious threat in Munster there not that long ago, and you know with the players leaving, with the injuries that they've ended up picking up cruciates and all that it's 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 a tough it's going to be a tough ask for them but i just about give tipperary the shade all right morris um i don't know like i thought 
Tipperary get a real lift off commercials running Munster and maybe and then you see the amount of players that they're missing when it's coming back and this talk is Conor Redden going to come back and give him a lift or was he training with them and it turns out he wasn't and then on the flip side you know Wicklow go to Waterford they have to win last round of the league they know and they probably need to run up a good score that to make themselves give themselves the best chance of making a final and there's two goals in it I, I yeah I might go I'll say Waterford okay brave James I uh, look at the Difficult, um, but I'd, 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 yeah, I'd fancy Tipperary, I suppose, to, to, to maybe um, sneak that one. But yeah, no, there'd be no surprise if it went either way. We've, uh, we, we've, we've had a good look at the Connacht one, so let's just call a winner. Uh, New York, Leitrim, Eamon. Uh, Leitrim. Morris. Same, yeah. Yeah, Leitrim. Yeah, go Leitrim. London, Sligo, Eamon. Sligo. Yeah, same. Good. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay. We'll go with that. Mayo Russ Common, Eamon. Big moment. Mayo. Morris. I think we're three for three here, yeah. Mayo. Yeah, we'll go with that. Go with that. <laughs> okay. Are you going to anything, Paul? No. Am I what? You yeah, I, was, I was wondering how long I was going to get away with this. Um, I think Cork will win. I think Tipperary will win. I think New York will win. I think Sligo will win, and I think Mayo will win. Um, the the Leinster the Leinster championship, the best championship of them all, obviously. Um, the yeah, yeah, I mean Dublin, Dublin, Dublin remind me of this kind of it's just like this nineteenth century nobles touring Europe as they kind of stop on the way after after inevitable success, the on their path to inevitable success. Um, here, Longford, Offaly, Eamon. The only difference with the dubs is rather than the nobles travelling, they get the peasants to come yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, That's a very good point. <laughs> Sorry, what was the what game yeah, were you? Yeah. Longford, awfully. I know it's not really on your radar, Eamon. Awfully, awfully, definitely. No, awfully, awfully. Hey, Morris. Awfully. Yeah, we'll go with that. Oh, I'm a bit nervous about this one. I, 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 I'm. My loyalty says awfully. My. Um, I've a, I've a feeling that it's going to be a real struggle, though. Um, Wicklow, what, Wicklow. What did you see from Longford in the league that has you concerned, Paul? I'll tell you what I saw. I saw sixteen or eighteen wides the day that Offaly beat them by a point, and that would worry me uh, a lot. Uh, having looked back at that game and looking at looking at the video of them, I see, um, I I see a team in that uh, they they Offaly really struggled. To cope with the Longford forwards when the ball went in, and the amount of chances created was enormous. And I don't think you can bank on a team kicking sixteen or eighteen wides again. That's that's what I see. Yeah, that look at that research. That is different <laughs> level. This is not helpful, Morris. In any shape or form, Wicklow v Carlo. Uh, Wicklow. Wicklow. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I was actually thinking the hardest thing, um, the hardest thing on being in Crow Park last Saturday was, uh, Oshie McConville was down on the, he was down on the pitch below me, and the temptation is to be a bit loose and and to have a, have a bit of a slight comment. It's like kind of being in a bar after closing time, and you just <laughs> you want to jump the counter here, and the voices in your head saying, "Go on, jump the counter once," and I uh, have a cut off him, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 Wicklow v Carlo. I think, uh, I think Wicklow, 
will win that will, will, will win that match. Um Wexford Leash, Eamon. Ooh, um I'll go with Leash. Morris. There's a theme emerging here, yeah, so will I. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for me, yeah. I'll uh, go Leash as well, yeah. Yeah, the great enigma, Leash, loads of footballers in yeah. Leash and just just the, the great enigma. Um they don't make it easy for themselves. Uh, the Ulster Senior Football Championship. Now, this is a fascinating one. Armagh, Eamon. What, what, like, first of all, talk about Armagh in the league and what happened. Yeah. The, you were up there. You were up there a few times. I, I was. You were up there once anyway. The the league was a setback for them, uh, definitely, Paul. But look, I, I wonder, were they trying things with a view to for the championship? Um, was it personnel? Was it injuries? Were they was their hand forced a bit? But certainly, regardless of what they, they were saying themselves, they were more defensive and they were getting more bodies behind the ball, and they didn't have the same commitment to keeping a couple of bodies up the pitch to allow them to kick the ball. Um the the, the thing I'd feel with them is that last year when they had the, the couple of setbacks, particularly when they lost in the Ulster Championship to Donegal the first day out, they really reacted to it and they came very strong. And I think that suits them. I think it suits Kieran McGinney. I think it suits Kieran Donaghy. I think it suits the players that they have, that they're, there's there's a big reaction in them. So, uh, you know, the fact that... Will it be enough for Sunday? Will they win? Will they win? I think they will. I think they will. I think they'll win on Sunday and uh, then the Cavan game is going to be a serious test for them. So... I'm expecting a big reaction from them. Morris? Yeah, the same. James? Yeah, our mark to win. Hopefully a bit more progressive right right from the off. Uh, All right, I'm going to have a flyer on this one. I think Antrim were very unlucky in the league. Um, they beat Cavan. They lost it down by a point. And if either Cavan or Down were going to Armagh on Sunday, you give them a right chance. So I'm giving Armagh, I'm giving Antrim a right chance here with the possibility of it being the shock of the, the weekend. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocket, to Jack Neville, to Adrian Russell, to Tony Lean and to everyone at Examiner Sport. A huge thanks to Allianz for, for their support. Uh, to Eamon for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. It was great to great to have you on. James, thank you for joining us. Morris as well. Uh, Allianz Supporting all 32 counties Through the Allianz Leagues